Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. kind of person that I want to see come out of Hope Church as we walk this crazy journey together. And here is what I would love to see. First of all, that you come here and the first thing that you see is Jesus and that you have a relationship with him. Beyond anything and everything else, that is the most important thing about this place. Otherwise, why, why come here? Uh, the second thing I would say, though, to that is God didn't just create us to just exist and to be. We're called to be a certain kind of people as people who follow him. And so uh, they're the kind of people who serve others with joy and serve them with honor and serve them in love. And for people at Hope Church, I want nothing more than to see that kind of fruit develop from each person. Here's the problem. Most people in churches or outside churches would look at people that come to church and they don't see that. In fact, maybe they have the idea that church people, people that follow God, are hypocritical and don't love others well and are judgmental. And you know what I'm talking about because honestly, a lot of times that's true. But God calls us to be people who are known not for what we're against, but what we're for. And that's the kind of person that I want to see walk out of Hope Church in this journey. Um, clearly, something needs to change inside churches. I just literally this week read another article about people on the outside of church or God or sport. They don't so much have a problem with Jesus. Polls will say, oh, I believe Jesus. I believe he's a, a good person. Again, wherever their starting point is, they don't have a problem as much with God and Jesus as they do with Christians and the church. And so how are we going to change that? What are we going to do to go beyond that and to live above that? But I don't want to... So, so I, what I would say is this. Everyone has to own their walk. Everyone's got to own that. And I think for too long, people have relied on the church to do all that spiritual feeding for them, and they have not, they've neglected to do it themselves. Are you feeling me on that? So I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not the kind of church that I'm looking to have here. I don't want that for my life, and I don't want that for you because I think we grow up weak, not able to stand on our own. But the church does play a part. And I was thinking about this verse this morning, and I did write this part down. When we open God's word every week, we get a promise. I don't know that you know this, so I'm going to tell you this. Some of you do. There's this verse in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11, and it says this. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. The earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And then he goes on to say, the same is true for my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. 
Some versions might say, your word never returns void. Maybe that's the phrase you're used to. It's never going to be empty. So whatever spiritual truth we pull out, whatever scripture we have, God says he will work that to the maximum amount possibly can be. And so what is that fruit that we're looking for? What are the things that we need to be doing on our own and in community each and every day? What is the fruit? Like I said, that, that, that snow and, it, and the rain, it comes down and it goes into the ground it nourishes it, and it produces something. Well, in the Christian life, what are some of those things? Come on, talk to me. Love, joy, patience, peace, yep, kindness, self-control, gentleness. It's very specific. Now, again, think about those words, and think about churches, and think about Christians you know, and think about the things that you saw online, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever this week, and was it all of that? Probably not. So we need to do better, people. We need to do better. But here's the thing. I stand here in confidence today, knowing that whether, you know, whatever series we're in and whatever we're doing, it might not always hit everyone the same way, but God's word never returns void. And that's the confidence that I have when I'm up here, even through my own weakness and through my own mess-ups. So anyways, that was my little thing, and now I'm going to have to go super quick today. The Christian life is a journey. I hope we're really clear about that. We all have different starting spots in this journey, and we're all at different places in our journey. And what I've been saying this whole series is there, there's a journey in three ways. What's the first way? This is review. If you've been here, what's the first way? I heard it. I heard it. Upward towards God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is one of our key verses. I hope you're not getting sick of me saying that because this is unintentional. I want this to get in your heart and your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then the Christian journey is also another direction. Where is it at? Talk to me. It's outward towards people. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's like, love your neighbor, right? We can get into that. We're not going to get into all that today. But then, And then I saw Steve over a point. And then the third direction is where? Inward. As you love yourself. It's an understood you. God says, you love yourself. Now just try loving other people as much as you love yourself. Listen, that's going to take your whole life to get to. But here's the thing. We're all unique. And we're all different. And the whole point of this series, You, Me, God, is a look at that. It's our uniqueness. We're working through this thing called the Enneagram. You're like, the Ennio, what? I don't even know. Well, listen, whatever tool you want to use, that's fine. But here's the thing. The Enneagram describes nine different personalities. I'll get to that in a second. And generally speaking, you're probably going to be one of those. And we're going to talk about one specifically today. And I will say this. If I'm not going to review anything today... You can go back to our website, cthope.com slash Enneagram and get caught up with everything. You could read a little bit about it. You could see all of our past messages about it. But this is what God says. I have created you unique. Here's our other key verse, Psalm 1, chapter 39. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body. You've knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And so we're exploring that in this series. And I will say this, um, 
This is the second to last. Next week will be our last week on this series. We will have completed all the numbers. If you have a story, if God has spoken to you at some point um, throughout this series and you want to share some kind of uh, thing that you were enlightened by or that God moved in your I want, I want to know that. Email me. Would you do that this week? Just say, hey, this has really helped me. This was super impactful for me, uh, and I want to share it with you. I would love uh, to be encouraged by that. So many of you have come through throughout the weeks and have said that already, but I would love to have that. The Enneagram is a little different from like, uh, something like the Strengths Finder. Everyone loves the Strengths Finder. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to know how awesome they are? The Enneagram is a little bit different. And this is not gospel. It's just a tool. It's just a tool. But it's a little bit different in that I believe it's the best tool I have found that it actually exposes some of the like, most hidden places in our hearts that we need to realize. And so we've gone through each of these numbers. There are nine numbers, and they're broken up into groups of three, and we're in that last triad. It's the triad, it's called the head triad. You're going to see a lot of this today. And the people in this group of numbers really struggle with fear. But let's have some fun, and let's dive in to what is the Enneagram 5 personality. All right, I'm going to get your heads and your minds cranking. By the way, we have this bulletin. You can take notes. There's resources on the back. Please use it. Please use it. I'm going to go super quick today. Here's some descriptive words of an Enneagram 5. Knowledgeable, observant, perceptive, insightful, profound, thorough, self-reliant, detached, private, researcher, eccentric, reclusive, and cynical. Have I started stirring the embers just a little bit? Wet your appetite? You're already thinking, ooh, that might be that person. Ooh, that might be me. All right, here's the thing. You might be an Enneagram 5 if you need your alone time. You might be an Enneagram 5 if for every purchase you, you make, you read the instruction manual for it. You might be an Enneagram 5 if you struggle in your display of grief and emotion. Because that's very draining for you energy-wise. And also, you are so in your head, you are looking for the next logical thing to get beyond that. So a lot of times, fives are not in touch with their emotions. Also, again, these are generalizations, okay? But often, fives may struggle with playing sports. I read somebody who said this, and it's, as I've gone through this, I think there's some truth here. It's the one thing people really can't get better at just by studying and learning and with their minds, right? So sometimes, fives struggle with that. Uh, fives need to know when things start and when they end. Struggle with ambiguity. Uh, you might be a five if when you were a kid, your favorite thing to say was, why? <laughs> That's you. Uh, you might be an Enneagram five if you can play video games or even crochet, whatever your thing is, for hours on end by yourself. Uh, you might be if you're very particular about the right way to do something. Uh, this, uh, just quick side note here. I have fives in my life. Some are close to me. Some are fives I think that don't even know that they are. And they, they would say stuff like this. Oh, you have to go to this place. They have the best popcorn. 
Oh, they make the best whatever soup in this entire, this is the place you have to go. Seriously, okay, you get my point. Uh, fives, uh, you don't like to throw things away often because there might be a use for it at some point. You might tend to be a hoarder. Uh, you might be a five if incompetent people really bother you. This is similar to a one. I'm a one. I'm a perfectionist, but fives are in the same boat. Incompetence really bugs you. You might be a five if you'd rather sit out of an activity than participate in it. I'll get to some of the reasons behind that in a bit. Oh, here we go. Here are some of Tom's observations. You might be a five if you don't particularly like hugs. Just say it. You might be a five if you don't particularly like life groups. It's a little too small and intimate for you guys. You might be exposed in a group. Uh, you might be a five if you like to collect things. And I'm talking like specific things, like a specific, like coins from 1925 or something. It's very specific and particular. Uh, you might be a five if you leave the party early because you're so drained and exhausted. But then you come home and then you stay up all night on your computer until like 3 a.m. Uh, here's another Tom th uh, thing, these next two. Uh, you might be a five. I, this is, there's no scientific base for this at all. None of this is, but if you like PCs more than Macs, just saying. Or if you hate the teaching series on the Enneagram. Okay, uh, a couple of fun things, and I'm going to get into it here. Uh, some famous Enneagram fives, maybe Yoda. Or if you're more into the Marvel Universe, Doctor Strange. And then real bonus points, if anyone knows who this person is on the end. <laughs> Maybe. She may have worn that at one point. I don't know if anybody would know who this person is except for my wife. I just threw it in just for you, honey. This is Jane Austen, her favorite. Uh... All right. I said before, when we read scripture through the lens that God has uniquely gifted us with, we see verses in a very unique way. They jump off the page to us and we're like, oh, you connect with that. Here are some verses that you might connect with if you're a five. Proverbs 18, 15 says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every, every opportunity because the days are evil. Some of your versions might say, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That means you're very precise in the things that you do, the decisions that you make, and the way in which you walk. Or maybe it's Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic. The Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Fives need reassurance. Again, I'm going to get into this in a little bit. But they, they have a fear of being exposed. And they need reassurance. Sometimes, and I think a verse like that where they say, God, when they're in a healthy spot, God is before me, he's behind me, he's around me, and I'm going to be courageous because of that. I'm going to put fear to the side and give that to him.
Every personality has a core motivation. And for this number, everything is motivated by a need to gain knowledge. Again, you now probably have a very clear picture in your head of whether you may be this person or you know someone. I guarantee you, you know someone, maybe in your own family. Fives need knowledge because knowledge gives them security. It's a coping mechanism in a way. Fives care about facts. They think through a grid of information. Everything is about what to do and how precisely to do it. And they care about figuring things out. That's really important. I actually heard this one pastor talk about the Enneagram 5, and he said this, never take a 5 to a magic show. All the rest of us are just having fun, man. Woo, that's amazing. And the five is sitting there like, oh, I know how he did that. You know? Of all the numbers, fives feel the least of any. They're very connected in their head, but often they're disconnected in their emotions and in their body. And they have a very small capacity uh, for emotion They repress that. They don't want to deal with that. I would say this too. Fives want evidence. Evidence compels them. And so even they may struggle intellectually with faith and spirituality because they need evidence for everything. And like I said, fives can't stand incompetence. It's maybe their biggest fear, and it's probably their biggest trigger. So if they aren't confident about something, if they don't know that thing, they will choose to avoid it. They'll sit out and be happy to observe someone else do it because they just don't have the confidence and the ability to do it themselves. And often what happens is you end up retreating. And you just want to observe from the outside. And before you do anything, you're going to Google it, and you're going to figure it out. So fives make great scientists and researchers and professors and IT professionals and auto mechanics and musicians even and theologians and authors. And they like to travel the world because they like that knowledge, but I'm guessing they would rather do it alone than with someone else. Here are some weaknesses. Sometimes you lack empathy. You're so logical that you lose touch with emotion or don't understand or appreciate how others might be feeling. I've seen fives, they have a hard time apologizing. They often intimidate people because of their intellect. Fives often waste time and procrastinate and it's only because they get sidetracked. They go down rabbit holes and they forget where they're supposed to be going, and what they're supposed to be doing. So you multitasking is very hard sometimes, and you get distracted. You're often late to things, so you get caught up on them, and you lose track of time. And like I said, you forget to take care of your body. You're so deep into your reading or your computer that you're reaching for the soda and the candy bar, and you might stay up till 3 o'clock, and you're not getting the sleep you need. Maybe it sounds familiar to some of you. What is the core sin of this personality. And this might sound weird like all of them do, but the Enneagram would teach that the course in here is hoarding or greed. This is very important because the fives I know, it's not so much greedy with their money. In fact, they're some of the most generous people I know. But they have such low reserves emotionally that they get greedy with their time, 
in their energy. And they withdraw. And so you begin to withhold your gifts and abilities from others, or from the church, or from your family. And actually, sometimes you even hoard your knowledge because that gives you a little one-up on someone else. You don't want others to know what you know. But here are the strengths of a five. Fives are great thinkers. They're great strategists. They're very measured and thoughtful. I want fives on my team. When you're at your healthiest, you're thoughtful. You see the uniqueness in people. You become generous with your resources. You gift people with your presence and knowledge. You become more in touch with your emotions. You're more open-minded. You begin to exercise more. Again, you become so you become a little bit more aware of your body than just your mind. You become funnier and more relaxed. A lot of fives I know are just funny people, or at least they think they're funny. They have the intelligent jokes. And spiritually, I would say you might have an advantage over every other number on the Enneagram because naturally you're more contemplative. And getting alone time is your thing, man. And so being able to take that time for yourself and seek God and read and pray. But as a five, here's a statement I want you to hear. I think this is the word that I feel like God wanted me to share today, and it's this. Come out of hiding. Fives, we need you, and you need us. You can't just retreat to the basement on your computer. You can't just retreat from every party. We need you, and you need us. I want to encourage you. You will never know everything. You won't. Don't let your knowledge get in the way of growing spiritually. Growth is never about knowing everything. It's more about humility and generosity. And how does that happen? It happens in relationship with other people. You need community and relationship. You need us and we need you. So come out of hiding. Listen, another thing I would say, give grace to the people around you who are incompetent. Listen, we're all less competent than you are. You know that, and we know that. Give grace. And finally, before I get into some verses, embrace an abundance mentality. We've talked about that from this stage before because that whole hoarding and greed thing, we do this with our hands. And we bring it to ourselves, and fives are famous for this. They don't want to come out. And yet God celebrates abundance mindset. And we're going to talk about that as we wrap up. So here are some Bible verses for fives. And I want you to get these in your heart and in your mind. Because again, God's word never returns empty. And whether you're a five or not, you should jot these down. Because they're good for all of us. Number one, James 4 verse 10 says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You may know a lot. You may be able to research and talk about all the different things, but I want to encourage you to, before God to be humble in that knowledge because there's still so much more that you can learn and that you can grow from. 
And of course, again, this is, these are verses for everyone. This is for all of us, but especially for a five. Matthew 6, verse 33 and 34 says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Stop hoarding your resources. Seek first God's kingdom. I'm reminded of that parable where the guy goes and he buries the coins, right? Because he didn't want to lose them. And I think that could be indicative of a five. But seek God's kingdom first. And all of these things will begin to let that fear go. Let that hoarding go. Another verse, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this. Don't you realize, this is for everybody, check this out. Not enough talked about this in churches, I don't think. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. You are bought with a price, a high price. So honor God with your body. Do not neglect your body for your mind. God says he wants well-rounded, heart, soul, mind people that are healthy. Our body is not our own. We need to honor God in the temple that he has given to us. Fives, you need to hear that along with all of us. Again, here's the incompetence piece. Don't be selfish, Philippians says. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. C5s, other people have a value for you. You need to hear that. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You have the same, need to have the same attitude as Jesus had. A couple more here. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. A very well-known verse for all of us. But when people struggle, those, especially these numbers, these last numbers, the 7, the 6, and the 5, and we struggle with fear... Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Look to him. Acknowledge him first. He'll direct the path. He's going to work that out. Look to God first. And then finally, last verse. We all need this. We all need this. Luke 6:38. Give and you will receive. Open the hands. Open up your skills. Open up your bank account to give to the one. Listen to what he says when you do this. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That is not a manipulative pastor saying that that is God's word. He has called us to be generous people with all of it. Sometimes people say to me, well, I can't give money, so I give my time. Or I'll have the verse say, I, I, can't, I can't give my time, but I'm happy to give money. I'm just telling you here, oh, here's bold Tom. God, God's the owner. 
You're just the manager. It's not enough to just give little pieces. You need to give it all to God, knowing that he is the one who blessed you in the first place. So fives, break out. We need you. We love you. You're needed in God's body. You're going to help us stay on track. You're going to help us. You're going to push us, dive into the things that we need to know more. Maybe in a life group. It's okay to show emotion. Be the unique person that God has called you to be and realize that we are in this together. Let's pray. Lord God, I just am so grateful for the truth that we find. And we, we look through the lens of your word and we hide that truth in our heart. God, we know it's never gonna return empty. And so we commit this to you now. Help us not just to know it, but to go and do it and to live it. In Jesus' name.